Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. There's a brand new podcast out. It is called Factually with Adam Conover. I love Adam. Uh, he had a show called Adam Ruins Everything where he kind of does deep dives into things that we don't ever really consider. We just take it face value. And that's what he's doing on this podcast. Um, he is a stand-up comedian. As I said, uh, he also is the host of Adam Ruins Everything. But on Factually, Adam will talk to interesting people from uh, a Pulitzer-winning authors to professors and, and leading experts to find the surprising truth behind big issues like homelessness or big tech and gun control. I find his exposés to be incredibly fascinating. I mean, did you know that no one in America thought the right to bear arms had anything to do with self-defense until very recently? Sound surprising? Well, Adam goes deep with constitutional law professor Adam Winkler to bring you the entire surprising history. Believe me, you will never look at guns in America the same way again. And as hard-hitting as the topics get, Adam keeps the conversations fun and light and fast. It's a great show. You learn, but you don't feel burdened by learning. You got to check it out. Find Factually in your podcast app now and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. It's Factually. Get smart. Get it now. Hey, everybody, big announcement. Unspooled is doing our first live show in New Orleans this weekend at the Overlook Film Festival. Head on over to theoverlookfilmfestival.com to find out when we are playing, but it's Saturday, spoiler alert. And come listen to Amy and I with some of our special friends talk about the importance of horror on the AFI list. So head on over to the Overlook Film Festival website to check out how you can get seats if you're in New Orleans this weekend. Come see Unspooled live. The year. 2019, 50 films down, 50 more to go. It's the Unspooled Halfway There Special. Everybody, welcome to Unspooled. Unspooled. I'm Amy Nicholson, and I am Paul Shear, and this is our fiftieth episode. Fifty, fifty movies, Amy. We have watched a lot of films so far. So many. Do you look back at the list of the films that we've watched, and you're like, oh, remember when? Remember when we were so young? 
I know. I want to go back and listen to our Citizen Kane episode because I feel like that seems forever ago. And I feel like it's been so fun to watch these movies with you and discuss these movies with you. And I think we've grown. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into it. The last time we did a little recap was around 25 episodes. So we do this every uh, every quarter. Every quarter. That sounds so businessy. I know. But now I think we have a good scope of the list. At 25, we were still young. We didn't know. There's so much we hadn't seen. But uh, this whole episode today will really be devoted to kind of looking back at the list and announcing our new 50. All right. We've been putting this list in order for you, our new uh, ranking at unspooledpod.com. Uh, we've also been keeping track of all the movies that we think should be on the list. But after this episode, you can go and check out our full list. We'll announce it here today, too, but we're not going to get into all the nitty gritty. It's 50 movies. 50 movies. In fact, we haven't even seen the list yet. Our producer, Josh, is going to unveil it to us in a minute. We put in our own separate 50s. Josh calibrated them and came up with the total 50. With our original 25. So that's three different lists because I moved stuff around from my 25 to my 50. I didn't keep really? oh I didn't keep stuff in You flipped thing. around some stuff you were like you know Absolutely. what I love Titanic so much more now <laughs> <laughs> I look at Titanic a little bit differently now because I think I've seen James Cameron's best work Go on It is a little ride at Walt Disney World's Animal Kingdom called Flight of Passage uh, where you ride a banshee. Amy, you ride a banshee around Pandora. Oh, and you feel it breathing in your around your thighs because you, you mount this kind of bicycle banshee. It's all 3D and goggles and screens. If you've ever been to Walt Disney World, it's kind of like soaring, but you're on – uh, you're on a banshee and you're doing flips and wow. Um, I mean, look, I've forcibly forgotten everything about Avatar. Is that is a banshee one of the things where you have to plug your ponytail in to make it work? Yes, I mean, <laughs> technically, my character on the ride was plugged in to uh, some sort of banshee creature. Well, I did not know that you did not like Pandora. I thought you liked all things, Cameron. <laughs> I like that you keep calling it Pandora. Oh yeah, Avatar. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah Pandora. Let's just call it Pandora. I mean, Avatar. <laughs> I mean, oh boy, I, I can get into Avatar all day long. My disdain for it is not even remembering its name. <laughs> There's six-legged horses, though. Do you remember that? I do vaguely remember the six-legged horses. I mean, look, you get to see all the creatures. I saw some kind of crazy whale popping up. I'm up flying my, my banshee around. You know, Amy, as we talk about our 50, I wanted to ask you a question. Something that I posted online got a lot of attention, and I didn't mean it to get a lot of attention, but I was at Target, and uh, they had a, a rack of Blu-rays out and they started advertising the blu-rays in a little bit of a different way and i want to show it to you so as you can see like the packaging of the film is very different so for jaws <laughs> instead of the iconic movie poster of jaws they just have roy scheider and richard dreyfus kind of like a production still from the movie like leaning over the side of a boat and then where the title jaws would be is just a quote and it says we're gonna need a bigger boat and then beneath them is Jaws. Um, <laughs> and I thought this is like the like a tremendous dumbing down of culture to have like our movies distilled to one line. And believe me, I love these lines. But would you want to like buy a DVD of, of, of Borat if it just said, my wife? It's, it, it feels like Steven Spielberg, no one asked him, like, hey, can we use that to make – your whole movie is that. And and I don't have any problem with classic, quote, packaging as, as Target has deemed it. But it just seems like it, it kind of, like, 
belittles the entire film. But a lot of people online got very took very hard lines uh, on these things. Like, um, I think it's a great way to advertise a movie. Uh, but they're I don't know. They're silly. Like for the sixteen candles one, it's like, "Happy birthday, Samantha! Make a wish." That's the quote. That's the quote. That's the quote. That's for even like a candles. top ten quote. I know the, the the Fletch one is you using the whole fist, Doc. I think that proves to me I've never seen Fletch. You well, I mean, I if you don't remember that classic <laughs> line. That classic, wait, I'm looking at this, and the Jaws quote is actually, "You're going to need a bigger boat." Oh, okay, great. Sorry. So wait, who are they talking to? <laughs> I mean, look at this. It's is it so, me, the DVD buyer? Do uh, I need a bigger boat to watch this movie? I just think it's just an interesting thing. What I'm curious about, though, is. Does it say that these films are sort of deep in our consciousness, so deep that we know lines from them without even really knowing the name of the movie? And that was so you're like, of, I've heard that line. What is that line? It's like echoing through our consciousness. And somebody brought that up. They said, oh, well, you know, maybe you've heard this great line and now you want to go find the movie. I, I find that to be problematic, but maybe I'm maybe I, like I don't know if I would be like, oh, that's where it's from. I guess I'll buy this classic quote packaging. Um, but these are I mean, also. I feel like if that's the level of your engagement with it, you would probably just Google it and watch the thirty-second clip on YouTube. Like, <laughs> oh, he does say. Wait, does he really say you're going to need a bigger boat? Now I'm like confused. Like I'm living in some alternate reality. I always thought it was we're going to need a bigger boat. I, but that's the whole thing where we have like kind of bastardized these quotes. We've talked about it a few times. There's all these kind of classic quotes that are different. Then we remember them. It is you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, because he's talking to somebody else. Time, but that's the thing. But they're we... on the boat together. You'd think like they're all going to die if the boat's too small. <laughs> it's a we problem, not a you problem. It's kind of like a, a funny sarcasm. You're going to need a bigger boat. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> classic quote packaging. What do you think, Amy? You uh, for or against? Can I pick the quotes? I just want to pick things like hello, a cheeseburger. Can I just pick like random quotes inside the movie now? <laughs> You see, I think that that should be done. I mean, because obviously, like, I guess you want to buy Apollo 13 by going, Houston, we have a problem. Like, that's where it's from. If you build it, he will come. See, I thought it was they will come. But for uh, Phil Dreams, if you build it, he will come. So the quotes that we know, they're not even on there. They should be, if this was real meme advertising, it should be wrong. All the quotes should be wrong. And you, it should be like roughly in the wheelhouse. This must be how it works. Because if I was looking at it and I saw that thing that said, you're going to need a bigger boat. I'd be like, it's we're going to need a bigger boat, dummies. I'll just buy this and watch it to prove that you're wrong on your box. And then I'm wrong. I just think it's it's funny that people are like, that's how we'll sell Blu-rays now. That's how we'll get them in. Um, Not a shark, but Roy Scheider. <laughs> Nothing says buy this like Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider off the side of a boat. A very a, like. By the way, if you're if you're dumbing it down that much, just have a big picture of fucking shark eating the boat, and just be like, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Yum yum. Or just like nom 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 nom. Jaws. <laughs> like that kind of eight bit shark with maybe a rainbow behind it coming <laughs> after a little boat, and like some I don't know like. Emoji bikini girls, maybe the little rabbit ones with the little things like bitten in half. That's how I would sell it. I would sell it as this, kind of like Meg, but less big shark. <laughs> just like really like let's get let's get down to brass tacks. Just get like the 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 weirdest shittiest descriptions of movies like Apollo thirteen, 
Tom Hanks goes to space. That would be like, it's just break it down to, like, don't even try anymore. The SEO title. Yes. If it was the SEO title. Like, you know, where you just use the buzzwords to figure out exactly what you're looking for. Like, if you're on YouTube, like, man hits cat, cat falls on banana, da-da-da-da-da. Apollo 13. Well, and that's this is my issue with all of like network TV shows. Every year when the new pilots come out, there is inevitably a pilot that is named after something culturally going on. Like, you know, it's like ghosted. I mean, that was different because that was about real ghosts, but it would be like squad goals, the TV show. It's like we are just trying to be like, People say it. That's our show. We'll do it. You know, and it's like adulting now on NBC. Like that's that's all that shit that it bothers me up. Turnt. Now I'm just picturing like my favorite Silence of the Lambs box, which would be just like maybe a cat with a with the Silence of the Lamb mm-hmm. muzzle on it, and then it just says, "Who's your zaddy?" I would. How about the Silence of the Lambs? I'd fuck me. <laughs> yeah, that's that popular catchphrase. I'd fuck. I'd me. fuck me. <laughs> Uh, I, this is a good experiment. We should go through our top 50. What? A- <laughs> go, man. I, I love it. Well, I mean, thankfully. No, I do want to see that. I do want to see, like, alternate posters for everything in the top 50 now. <laughs> um, but we are not taking the easy way out. We have decided to go past the memification of these movies. And I think it's actually been pretty amazing to kind of find these dialogues we've been having with the people who listen to the show, our amazing Facebook group uh, run by Kate Littleton, our amazing uh, graphics team, which is just one person, Kim Troxell, who uh, does an amazing job. The absolute best. Every single week, people are like, that is the best one. That is the best one. They're always the best one. They're always amazing, Kim. And she just made an amazing uh, little video that you can check out on our uh, social media account. We'll post it up there. So, Amy, last week we asked, you know, what films have really stuck with people who've been listening to the show and and with us and why, and you know, what movies surprised you or amazed you. These are the films that kind of, maybe you watch it for a first time. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I've never seen this movie. Or you've watched it again and been like, Oh, I don't know if that actually is as good as I remember it being. You can kind of go either way. What movie to you jumped out on the list of 50 that you keep on thinking back to? Oh gosh. You know, the two that just jump out to mind immediately are treasure of the Sierra Madre which mm. I just loved. I just loved. And it was so dark and it felt so modern. And I kept thinking about how we keep thinking that we're like revitalizing the dark movie or like right. dark movies. Oh, we were never this cynical. And I love really realizing how bleak and how cynical we've always been as audiences that, you know, things were not were never always just pat answers. And then honestly, The Last Picture Show. I've been so thinking funny. about that one a lot. I've re- I've been thinking about Cloris Leachman a lot. The the wife of the gym teacher character who has the affair with the teenage boy. That performance, that everything, that, that's that's right up there with me. And probably also Bonnie and Clyde, a movie that I did know and I did really love. But like those kind of trio of films, I don't know. They just feel like they've been stuck to my ribs all year. You know, I feel the same about The Last Picture Show. It's a movie I never had really seen. And the tentacles of it just go out so far even to, you know, films like Booksmart, you can see elements in all of these films. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw John Wick 3, but there oh, was yeah. a little bit of 
these kind of films that we've talked about in John Wick 3. I don't know if you noticed, but when he runs to Times Square, uh, Buster Keaton's The General is playing on the Jumbotron there. What? I didn't see that. Yeah, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, what a cool little tip of the hat. And I think there's something else in there, too. I love that, because Keanu's doing so many of his own stunts. It's like an actor putting his body on the line. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool, uh, just sort of tip of the hat because again we talk about the idea of these influences and you know that knife fight scene <laughs> is one of my favorite Ugh. scenes uh in recent cinema memory and they have a lot of similarities i think i'm starting to appreciate those connections a little bit more um it's true and you know what's funny is when i saw the knife fight scene i kept thinking of fred astaire Oh, wow. Remember how we like yes. had that clip of Fred Astaire like playing music on the drums, like doing percussion, doing yes. the whole thing with his body? I mean, that whole scene with the throwing knives was a musical number. And to totally just watch right. it play out with that, to hear the rhythm of it, to see like you – know, we don't think about musicals influencing action, but my God, they absolutely must. Absolutely. I mean, there is a musicality to a great choreographed fight scene. I mean, one of my favorite ones is that uh, one in Atomic Blonde that looks like there's no cuts with Charlize going down the stairwell. It's beautifully done, but it has to stay on rhythm. Um, the other film that really stuck with me, and it's a film that I didn't really care for or didn't appreciate uh, as much, even though I knew it was great, is 2001. I That movie and that experience, seeing it with you in a theater – really blew my mind. And I just watched Apollo 11 over the weekend. And if you have not seen Apollo 11, we talked about it here. You said it's better than First Man. I totally agree. But even more to the point, it's amazing to see what Kubrick was able to do when you were actually watching the real footage of that launch. It it's mind-boggling because they have cameras everywhere in Apollo 11. Inside, I feel like thrusters, you're seeing, you know, certain footage. And just to see how he was able to bring us to that level, I, I'm, I'm completely blown away as a filmmaker uh, and pushing forward technology and pushing forward the medium. We talk about this a lot, whether it's King Kong, whether it's Titanic, all these movies that really push forward film. But I also feel like that movie dark film as well. There's so many great things in that film. Uh, that's the one that really uh, has stuck with me. You know, and Amy, some of these films that we're talking about, a lot of people wrote in about. Um, you know, people uh, wrote in about another movie that I really loved and didn't even mention here, but All About Eve, and that was uh, Kenny Pickett. said, All About Eve and The Last Picture Show are two of the best movies I've watched that I never had seen before. You know, you have other people jumping in more about The Last Picture Show. I think that was a big one for a lot of people, Last yeah, Picture I'm, Show. Yeah, that's so surprising because, you know, I wouldn't say that people, when we started this list, people are clamoring for an episode on The Last Picture Show, but it's been this, like, kind of surprising one that just got inside of you. Well, I think it's one of those films that you know exists I knew it was there. It never felt like a call to me. And then to see that the themes were so kind of universal. I, I never understood that it was a coming-of-age story. Um, then there's other people bringing up films like Double Indemnity. This is uh, Johan who said, you know, Double Indemnity introduced me to Billy Wilder. He's like discovering a second Hitchcock where every movie brings at least something fascinating. And I totally agree. I mean, a huge Billy Wilder fan here. Uh, Daffy Stardust wrote in and said, uh, both Platoon and Sophie's Choice stand out as movies I liked a lot more than I thought I would. I doubt either one would make my own top 100, but I would stop and consider them, which I hadn't anticipated going in. And I love that because like, yeah. We talk about a film, it doesn't mean it has to make the top 100, but it, it means it's worth talking about. We're really glad we saw it. And to pick out Platoon and Sophie's Choice, I mean, I feel like Sophie's Choice took a lot of hate. Yeah. And and 
And it is a surprising movie. It does like it is it's different than what you think it is. Well, I think we're going back to this idea of the memification of culture. Like when you think about Sophie's choice, it's the decision. But the movie is a melodrama and it some just fantastic performances. You know, Meryl Streep, obviously, Kevin Klein, really great. And I feel like a lot of this show has been, will you just hit play? Will you take the chance? Will you walk with us down this road? And I think, uh, you know, we've noticed when people listen to episodes, there are certain episodes that people like gravitate towards, you know, Sons of Lambs, people are ready to go. And Sophie's Choice has kind of been one that I think people have been a little bit slower to adopt. Like, oh, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be bummed out. But I think a really good film won't depress you in a way that you think it's going to. It, it's still, you know, carrying with it this beauty and this majesty. I mean, Schindler's List is arguably a very depressing film, but there's we found humor in it. There's so many stylistic choices. I think it's heavy, but it doesn't have to be bumming you out. And I think that that's the subtle distinction. Yeah, I love it when a movie surprises you. I mean, well, Mike Aparicio at Peruvian Idol wrote, I was fully prepared to hate singing in the rain, but it blew oh, me wow. away. I was not expecting it to be so funny, vibrant, filled with amazing choreography. One of my favorites of the first 50. I love wow, that. I love that. And look at this. Um, Latina Lana said that E.T. was the episode that introduced her to Unspooled. And she just got so emotional kind of really digging into it. And I think that that's what I've found, too, is like these films that I've just watched casually, whether it's even Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like that. When you look at it with a little bit more of a critical eye, it's it's kind of a, a brand new experience. It's sort of like enjoying it for what's under the hood, just not how the car looks on the outside. And because, you know, I'm a car guy and I like to use car analogies. Yeah, I mean, that's my car car (laughs) metaphors are my thing. Um, But Um, I do think that that's important. (laughs) Well, Dot Perez um, wrote, I had never seen Rocky before it came up on Unspooled. And I loved it so much more than I was expecting. Perez says, it is a great film with so much depth I never considered. And that Mickey's line to Rocky saying, quote, women give fighters weak legs is both hilarious and my new workout philosophy. I would like to say as a woman, I do like to give people weak legs. I just like to go around and like stab them in 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 the thigh. I will say, looking at this list of all of our tweets, it's interesting that the ones that are coming up, Sophie's Choice, All About Eve, Last Picture Show, those are surprising to me. That those are the ones that are popping up. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't think that. I would think, oh, maybe it's Wizard of Oz. Maybe it is 2001. Maybe it's Citizen Kane. But it's these movies that are... Maybe the surprising ones. It's the ones that kind of are laying below the surface. I think that that's actually really fascinating. Want to take a couple calls and see what people are saying? Uh... Hey, this is Jack. Uh, I'd like to say the movie that has surprised me the most this year, or, or that you've covered, is The General uh, with Lester Keaton. Um, it's one of the purest films I've ever seen. The stunts in it are just remarkable. It's Length is just perfect. Buster Keaton is such a trooper and a performer. And uh, in these times, it made me cheer for the Confederacy. Great job. Oh, God. Wow. All right. Well, there we go. That's certainly a takeaway from the film. Um, Long live the Confederacy. Uh, No, but you know what? Uh, We were talking about the general before. And that was a movie that I think was really impressive. And we talked about this about his stunt work. And I know we brought in Jeff Tremaine to talk about this. And I think that, you know, Buster Keaton really is a little bit underrepresented on this list. And his contribution to cinema is so large. I would love to kind of dive a little bit deeper and find some other films of his because I feel like he's someone like Last Picture Show 
that really, you know, the tentacles go out very, very far and in genres that you wouldn't even expect. Let's take another caller. The movie that has stuck with me most has been uh, Schindler's List. I first saw Schindler's List when I was a young teenager. And it was just so depressing and so overwhelming that I just never watched it again. But now, watching it as an adult in my 30s, I was amazed at how watchable it is. It's I keep thinking about different scenes from it, like when Schindler talks about, you know, the powerful man is the merciful man, and Ray Fiennes' performance is so brutal, and the way he dehumanizes his maid is horrifying. And it's weird to say this about a Holocaust movie, but it's so stylish. The black and white and the cigarette smoke and Liam Neeson in those suits, it feels almost like an updated Casablanca. And just the imagery is so impactful and beautiful and haunting. I can't stop thinking about Schindler's List. Oh, I love that Casablanca analogy. Gosh, that's one of the ones I can't wait for us to get to. Yeah, me neither. And I, what I really think I keep on coming back to is this idea that some of these films get a bad rap, you know, when they're elevated to such a degree or they're viewed as a Holocaust film. It kind of devalues what the film is. It's not a documentary about the Holocaust. It's a film. And that's how I felt about Schindler's List. There was no reason for me to ever watch Schindler's List except for the show. And then when I did, I realized there's so much more there. And I would even argue that Last Picture Show being in black and white and looking like, oh, that just feels like it's not going to be a fun film. It kind of keeps you at arm's length. I like this analogy. I think this film should be watched. I mean, it's heavy, but you should be able to watch it. One of my favorite memories from this podcast is finally watching this wonderful movie for the first time. I cried so many times, happy tears. Uh, and even thinking about the ending just still makes me tear up. And now I cannot wait to watch it again this Christmas and make that a holiday tradition. We are on the same page there. I'm a first timer as well. I can't get over this movie. And I feel like such an idiot when I talk to people. I'm like, Frank Capra's really good. Have you seen this movie? Like, yeah, everyone's seen this movie. It is an iconic film. But you know what? I'm happy to still find joy in America, literally America's favorite film. I think the movie that stayed with me the most is probably West Side Story. Um, it was a very important movie to me when I was growing up. It was one of the first big musicals I saw where I thought, oh, you can do a musical and have it be about something important, and it can be dramatic as well as funny and balance that divide very well. Um, it's the score that I think like is my favorite of all the movies on the list. Um, the choreography is fantastic. The acting is great, especially Rita Moreno. Um, you can definitely tell that it was one of those movies that came out in the prime of like Technicolor, uh, Cinemarama era because there's a lot of bright reds in the movie, which work for that movie compared to a lot of other movies where, um, it was mostly just sort of like, we're going to throw red in here because it works best here. Whereas with this, it fits in with a lot of the themes and the character choices and stuff like that. 
Hi, Paul and Amy. Thank you so much for 50 amazing episodes of Unspooled. It has been an amazing experience for me as a listener. I've gone through the AFI Top 100 at this point, and I love hearing all of your takes every single week. I think the movie that has stuck with me the most was actually Platoon, which is surprising, even though it's not my favorite of the three Vietnam movies. And I think as a general consensus, we all decided that maybe we would take it off. It had me looking at that movie as so much more than just a bro action movie. I really loved hearing from your guests about the making of it and how much work went into the making of this very realistic depiction of the soldiers' lives. And I thought that that was great. And what's fascinating about putting those two faves together is you really see like how much we as audiences respect the work that goes into a thing. The work of like constructing West Side Story, coming up with the dances, the work of reconstructing Vietnam. You know, I really do also myself just like straight up admire an achievement like that. I mean, it's like what we were saying before we started recording. Like, you were amazed at how they built Pandora. Avatar just made you immersed in this world. You said to me, Paul, my favorite wow. movie <laughs> is Avatar, and I love the world building. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah wow. you were saying that right is before. Is this how yeah. the show's going to go now? The 50 point, it just becomes the lie show? <laughs> <laughs> this is great to kind of reminisce, but... I thought we could do something a little bit more fun and kind of do some mashups here. We talked last week about uh, having people pitch us movie mashups using films from our first 50 episodes. What character would you like to drop into another film's story? And I got a couple. I think Tim Robbins from Shawshank would make a great Kier Doulet in uh, 2001. I feel like those uh, personalities might be really interesting to see. I would like to see uh, him get tortured more, sure. How about Humphrey Bogart from African Queen as Taxi Driver? Okay, yes, yes, yes. You're uh, selling me on all of these. Okay, how about <laughs> Bruce Willis from Sixth Sense in Chinatown? Uh, that seems a little mopey. All right. But can we have the ghosts? Can we have, like, ghost Misha Barton in Chinatown? <laughs> all right, can, how about... Can ghost Misha Barton just be, like, the ghost of everybody who was murdered for the sake of water, showing up <laughs> and being like, how dare you? I like that. Um, would you like to see maybe uh, the Marx Brothers... In Tootsie. I'm actually really thinking about that. That was like, that was like, that yeah. was a lot of silence because I was thinking suddenly that Groucho Marx would probably hate Tootsie. Um, but you I was actually... Although, if he took the piss out of out of Tootsie herself, the yeah. way that like he would do to Margaret Dumont... I think he would actually be Tootsie. I don't think he would be as attractive as the character that Dustin Hoffman played, but I think you would put him as that character. He'd be the wisecracking person. You know, uh, you'd have <laughs> you'd have uh, Chico as the Bill Murray, and I think Harpo would kind of uh, maybe be... Uh, I wonder who Harpo would be, the director? <laughs> maybe Chico would be the director, Harpo would be the buddy, and uh, Margaret Dumont could be uh, Jessica Lange. Not the same movie, obviously, yeah. but I think you could tell a similar story, maybe. Yeah, this mashup makes no sense at all. Okay. But in my head, I'm just picturing watching Swing Time in one of the big, beautiful dance numbers. You know, mm -hmm. where like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And just Charlton Heston has been her walking through it and then just continuing on. <laughs> Very much like the end of Blazing Saddles, right? When they have like a lot of uh, people come through. And my final mashup, my personal mashup, was Norman Bates as Buffalo Bill in Sounds of the Lambs. I, I mean, they were, I think, both inspired by the same killer, yeah. right? Yeah. So they have the same DNA. They have the same mother. Um, all right, let's see what people were also saying here. Uh, this is by uh, our friend Lloyd. He actually came up with a whole movie plot called Silence of the Jets, where Clarice Starling investigates when, after 
Chino murders Maria, dismembered gang members start showing up with no feet. Is it tap dancing revenge or something darker? Only Doc might know the answer. <laughs> I love that. I love that they got well, really into it. Um, Phil Rude at Phil Rude, he put Chaplin from City Lights into Rocky. Because, you know, Chaplin has that amazing yes. boxing scene. What if that Chaplin fights Apollo Creed and goes the distance? <laughs> um, this is a really great one from George Jacobson. Uh, Rufus T. Firefly as the voice of Hal. Um, uh, you know, I think that would be a really interesting, uh, like an aggressive computer. I guess you would take away the, the no personality and add too much personality. <laughs> what about this one from Max Pacheco? He says, high noon. Okay. Mm-hmm. The one where like the nervous sheriff has to save the day at the yeah. end. He has to face down the guy, but you replace Gary Cooper with the cowardly lion. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> um, here's a one that I think might be up your alley. Uh, Dorothy Michaels instead of Mrs. Robinson in The Graduate. And you have Dustin Hoffman falling for Dustin Hoffman. That was wow. by, uh, wait, can you read this? Can Dustin Hoffman pinch his own ass to get a better performance out Whoa! of himself? Oh! Here's actually another graduate one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Lee 74 wrote, Ben Braddock dates the evil queen from Snow White. So then Ben falls for snow, and that is why the queen wants to kill the young princess. That makes some sense. And that the seven dwarves are not miners. They work at a plastics factory. I love that. Uh, Video Attack wrote Alex DeLarge from Clockwork Orange. Uh, His treatment is to be conducted in the mental hospital from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Well, can you imagine Alex versus Nurse Ratchet? Oh, how about Alex and Jack and Nurse Ratchet. Let's see it. Let's put it on screen. <laughs> um, these are great. Um, I love these. I want to read a couple more. Here's yeah. one from Declan Green. Declan Green 95 writes, let's see Norma Desmond find the world where she was never born and it's a wonderful life. Ooh, we can watch her delusions escalate to a whole that. new level as she gradually realizes nobody knows who she is. Ooh. And also, would cinema be different if there was like a Norma Desmond who had never existed in the world of It's I a Wonderful Norma that. Desmond? It's Let's a Wonderful Sunset Boulevard? Would love cinema just be that. bad? People are going really good. I just was saying, like, I'd like to see Jimmy Stewart play Atticus Finch. <laughs> Wait, I have to give one more shout out to this mm-hmm. one that blended All About Eve with All the President's Men, All About the President's Eve Men. Uh, that is not <laughs> myself anymore. He writes, Addison DeWitt. The cruel theater critic who's on to Eve mm-hmm. breaks the Watergate story with his George Saunders style. I love it. Can you Are, imagine how snippy he'd be about I Nixon? would love to see a little <laughs> a little bit more of a bite to it. Um, let's uh, hear some calls of some more mashups. I would like to see a West Side story where the Jets and the Sharks have to put aside their differences and team up to dance fight New York City's greatest threat, King Kong. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great. <gasps> I think a mashup between The Wizard of Oz and Lord of the Rings would be pretty interesting. Having uh, Gandalf and uh, Saruman replace the Witch of the East, uh, Wicked Witch of the West and uh, Glinda would be a pretty interesting twist. And I think they'd have gotten to Oz a lot faster. Interesting. A little bit like Narnia-esque, I think. I can see that. I'll get you, my pretty, and your big beard, too. <laughs> and your large staff, too. <laughs> it's not Karen Allen who teams up with Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's Catherine Hepburn reprising her role as the German fighting spinster from the African queen who runs into Indy, tags along, and disapproves of everything he does. Oh, that is great. But she also motivates him to destroy the Nazis. I think this is a perfect mashup. I I love love that. This is going to come across as sacrilege, but I would love to see Noah Cross, played by John Huston, starring as Hannibal Lecter. I think 
John Huston's Noah Cross is the most terrifying villain Ooh. I've ever seen in a movie. I love that idea. Yeah. It would, it would be a very restrained performance. I think that's a good – it's interesting. I like that. Yeah. I love the idea of getting a rich man like Noah Cross in prison and then him breaking out too. Well, I would like to see uh. Noah Cross as like maybe uh, in Hannibal. Like you get to see like the, you know, the free version of him. Now, Amy, did you have any awards that you wanted to give out to best performances or anything like that? I did. And, you know, I thought about this a lot. I thought mm-hmm. about this a lot. Like who out of all of the amazing performances we've seen would I vote for my best actress in best actor? I love this. And, you know, I'll do my best actress first. Okay. I decided after a lot of agony, I think I'm going to go with Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I just – She's just that good? She's just that good. You know, it's not just the accent at all. The accent is spectacular. You really just see so many different incarnations of who Sophie is. She, You get – like there's still the same Sophie underneath, but you get to see the Sophie who was fighting with her dad. You get to see the Sophie who was living in concentration camps, figuring out how to survive in this man's house. And you get to see Sophie in the present as she's like a different person, whether she's with Kevin Klein or whether she's with Stango. You know, she's such a multi-leveled woman in that film. And that's what I really love about a performance is not just when it has like this core to it, mm. but when you can see that core shift and change depending on who else is in the room. And if I had a runner up, it would be Betty Davis and all about Eve. I mean, she is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah. I mean, these are really good choices. You know, I was looking at the list myself and thinking like, there are so many wonderful performances, but so few iconic performances, if that makes sense. Um, I think, you know, for me, Orson Welles definitely has an iconic performance. But if I was to put that next to Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, I look at both of those equally weighted to a certain degree. Um, You know, a lot of these films I love. I think Jimmy Stewart is fantastic. And you could even make an argument for Marlon Brando and Apocalypse Now. There's a lot. It's, It's interesting, though when a performance that kind of transcends the film. I think that these movies kind of transcend performance, if that makes sense. Like the movies as a whole seem bigger than the roles inside of them. So it's hard to kind of find what performances kind of pop out. I agree. I actually wrestled a lot with who I would think deserves best actor. And I did wind up deciding on Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, wow. You know, and and I was trying to think of like, why? You know, like, what is it about Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life that I think is so incredible? Because... That film seems, you're right, the film seems bigger than any one element of it, honestly. And what I finally decided is I just love being able to look at Jimmy Stewart, a a man who is able to channel so much empathy to the screen, who makes you care about that man so much, who makes you care Mm -hmm. about George Bailey, even as he shows you George Bailey screwing up a lot, yelling at his kids, flirting a little bit with Violet. Like you get to see so much potential of who George Bailey could be in this iconic performance by Jimmy Stewart. Well, and that's why I was talking before about Jimmy Stewart as Atticus Finch. Would you see maybe a little bit more of that? I know we talked about, I love that performance, but that character is um, doesn't have many holes in it, you know? And, and, and I think Jimmy Stewart does a great job. We talk about Vertigo. He really has a, a flexibility that I don't think people look at. And it goes back to the way I think a lot of people just put people in a box. Jimmy Stewart is a much more versatile performer than I ever really gave him credit for. And and after watching these films, I, I've re-upped my <laughs> Jimmy Stewart fan club. Uh, it's true. I mean, I think our first Jimmy Stewart movie, I was playing like clips of people imitating Jimmy yeah, Stewart, like right. Dana Carvey, like, oh, it's me. I'm staying something neurotic yeah. and nasty. I can't think of anything. But that's what I think happened in that clip. And, and you know, 
we're all underselling Jimmy Stewart as a person who just has so much vulnerability. Yeah, maybe Absolutely. that's it. Is I think of stars usually being like larger than life, mm-hmm. perfect. And there's something about a Jimmy Stewart performance where you want to like reach into the screen and protect him. Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. All right. Now, Amy, we don't know our list. We're going to get the hand of them right now. All Are right. you ready to see our new top 50? Here is the new 50 according to Amy and Paul. And we left them all on. We didn't kill any of the films. But uh, we'll see where the order is. All right. So, Amy, we just got handed our list. And our producer, uh, Josh, why don't you even get on the mic here, Josh? Because you did a lot of calculating here of this entire thing. So what was one of the the most interesting things that you found about this list that did not change? Uh, Well, here's one interesting fact. The top three and the bottom three films have not changed from your first 25. They're Mm -hmm. all from the first 25 movies. All right. So Citizen Kane, Wizard of Oz, and 2001. Those are our top three. And our bottom three, Amy, will you do the honors? Yeah, that's Shawshank Redemption, French Connection, and Ben-Hur. Interesting. And that makes – I was actually surprised when I put my list together how much my top ten kind of felt like the same even. Yeah. You know that our – did we get the did we get the ten best films just like in the first half of the show? Well, you know, a couple popped into the top ten, which is The Treasure of Sierra Madre um, and It's a Wonderful Life, which we've just talked about a little bit. You know – those are only two in our top ten. Titanic still holding strong at six. <laughs> um, you know, we have 50 movies here, so we are not going to maybe read through the whole list in its entirety, but let's kind of break it down um, where maybe you and I disagreed a little bit. Um, the three biggest gaps in rankings uh, for films that I ranked higher than you, I ranked Unforgiven at 27, and you ranked it at 45. Ooh, 18 numbers away. Yeah. No regrets. Uh, I <laughs> I also ranked The Graduate at 23, and you ranked it at 38, 15 points. Uh-huh. And, uh, and West Side Story, you put at 30, and I put at 16. Huh. Interesting. I thought that that movie deserved a higher place. And why, why I, I only will, Unforgiven and Graduate I get, but West Side Story, I'm surprised you put it at 30. Yeah, I don't know. It it felt right at 30 for me, but this could just be my like long-standing Natalie Wood antipathy. Maybe I just maybe it's like a golfer's handicap. If a movie has Natalie Wood, I just take off 20 points. <laughs> I think that could actually happen. Okay, well, let's talk about the ones that I put higher than you. Okay, great. So, I put a Clockwork Orange at number 9. Okay. You put it at 38. That is 29 degrees yeah. away. Yeah. You know, I think after having that conversation about the film, I really appreciate the film. I think it's beautiful. I think it's well done. But I don't think – I don't know. I, I wrestled with that movie. I did. I, You know, where I found a real connection to Taxi Driver, I felt that that movie, I have, for lack of a better term, felt more dangerous in the wrong ways. And so I kind of penalized it for that. And I, I still appreciate it. And I think it's amazing. But I, I, I put it lower. Yeah. What if I like violence more than you? Because I also put Bonnie and Clyde at number seven. And you ranked that all the way down at 35. You know – I think I'm someone who does enjoy violence. I just found Bonnie and Clyde to be a film that didn't connect with me. And I don't know why it didn't connect with me. It should have. And maybe it's because I can't go back in time and re-appreciate, oh, wow, this is how far they came at that point. It just didn't work. And I know you said that that was one of the movies that stuck with you. That was a movie that I was like, it's fine. I like it. I think performances are great. I think there's so many great uh, pieces of dialogue and performances, but... Uh, again, it just didn't do it for me. Wow, I just can't get the image of Faye Dunaway lying in her bed, putting on makeup, being so restless for something to happen. I yeah. cannot get that image out of my head. 
Um, well, the, the final one is interesting. Yeah, this one, I think we even like realized this as we were doing the episode. I put A Night at the Opera at number 19. You put it all the way down at 40. Yes. And I think that is because I am a Night of the Opera person and you are a Duck Soup person. Exactly, because I think my Duck Soup was a lot higher. Um, so that makes sense. I just kind of, in the in the grand scheme of the list, and I'll tell you when I was ordering things, and this kind of goes back to the Clockwork Orange of it all. If I found that we had a better one up top, I shot the other one down. So 2001, I'm putting that up top. I'm kind of putting the films that I feel like could maybe go off the list a little bit lower. But I felt like we only need one Marx Brothers. So let's put Duck Soup higher and knock down the other one. That's true. You know, and on that, you know, looking at like even our bottom 10, there's some Mm -hmm. films in here that we are poised to maybe kick off the list. We've got Apocalypse Now is at number 41, which I find mm-hmm. really surprising. Searchers is at 43. We got Tootsie at 46. We got Saving Private Ryan at 47. Interesting. I think that that argument that we made about that film really, I think, helped shade it for a lot of people. And Well, and actually, speaking of y'all, the listeners of the show, the Spoolers did their own list of the top 50, ranking everything uh, that they put in their own vote. And here is their biggest gaps between them and us. I'll actually just start with this one. The Spoolers are saving Apocalypse now because we had it at 41. They put it on the list at 17. Interesting. And it's Psycho. They put it as 5. We put it as 22. I think that you sold me on Psycho not being as influential as I think it was. Um, And I, I still wrestle with that because it is an iconic piece of cinema. I don't want it off the list, but it definitely dropped for me. Yeah, I wrestle with it, too. I mean, how iconic is Psycho allowed to be if we really think about five minutes of the movie and not the entire second half of the Mm. movie? And then finally, Sounds of the Lambs. They put at 12, and we have at 28. Um, So that's really interesting to me. I felt like Sounds of the Lambs is one of those films that falls into this, you know, newer generation of film, which I kind of keep a little bit lower, uh, although Titanic is very high on our list. Um, (laughs) But I feel like there's nothing, I mean, I don't feel like there's anything incredibly special about the film as far as the way it's made, but I think it's an incredibly well done film that should be on this list, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of films on our list that we nailed exactly at the same number. Most of these films on the API are kind of an average. You, for example, put Titanic at Eight, which mm-hmm. I appreciate that you put it at Titanic hey, at eight. Thank you, you for that. I had it at four, so it, it come it comes in at six. We both put Rocky at number eighteen. We're both like eighteen. That's a Rocky that. number. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good Rocky number. And if you want to even go to um, like the AFI list and our list, wanted to see uh, the biggest gaps there. Well, go back to Titanic, which you just said we ranked very high, and then the Searchers. That's really high for the searchers. It really is. It really is. And when I look at our list, when I look at the unspoolers list, I think momentum is not in the searcher side. No. Paul, I was surprised the searchers was your very bottom pick. It was. It was my bottom pick. And uh, I really thought about it a lot. And I think my reason to put it at the bottom was because I think there are better Westerns. And I think it was my my film that I would feel 100% confident to get off the list. I know visually it's beautiful, but I think, you know, Ben-Hur had been at the bottom for a long time. Uh, and I think Ben-Hur uh, is more uh, important. I mean, they're, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, 
it's a race to the bottom, but I, <laughs> I, I really thought about it. And I, maybe it was my hot take on the searches there. Wow. I mean, I also want to point out some of the ties that we had, mm-hmm. films that kind of came in at exactly the same ranking. It's sort of just say them out loud because yeah. I like the idea of contemplating them as ties. We had All About Eve tie with Singing in the Rain. Ooh, interesting. We had Psycho tie with West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Schindler's List in the general. Oh, wow. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And then The Graduate versus Lord of the Rings also tied. Yeah. Uh, in the Heat of the Night tied with The Sixth Sense. Mm. High Noon tied with Swing Time. And All the President's Men tied with Apocalypse Now. I like that. It's interesting. You know, I think we both come to these films with our own perspective. And I think that that's what we're trying to do with everybody here. I think, you know, simply by ranking, it is a personal preference. I I, I think, you know, everything out of the top 10, in my opinion, is equal. Uh, I feel like the top 10 films, or at least the way I'm thinking about the top 10, should be the ones that really stuck a claim and changed cinema. You know, mostly from a technical viewpoint, you know, or a storytelling, uh, you know, point of view. Yeah, our top 10 right now, as it stands, I think all really satisfy the definition. It's in order. Citizen Kane, Wizard of Oz, 2001, All About Eve, Singing in the Rain, Titanic, Sunset Boulevard, It's a Wonderful Life, Treasure of Sierra Madre, and King Kong. That is a solid top 10. And will it change? I don't know. You know, I, I you know, it's interesting because number 11 right there is Raiders. I don't know if Raiders stays at 11 by the time we hit 75 episodes. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see. Yeah, but you know what hasn't changed? What? We both... Hands down, put Citizen Kane number one. We both just did. We just did. That was our first episode. It has not shifted from that pedestal. And not just us. Citizen Kane is, of course, number one on the AFI list. And it's also number one on the Unspooled list. Citizen Kane is just number one across the board. It is the big dog. I don't know if we're ever going to shake it off. I don't want to. No, and I think, you know, we talk about this idea that there's so many hot takes, you know, that you can knock it off. But I couldn't have an argument with any of these films where – it felt like one of them bested the other. Um, and I'm just really enjoying this. You can see our whole list at unspooledpod.com. Uh, definitely check it out. You can see all 50 there. You can kind of see where your list falls in. And we want you to make your own list because I think that's really the most important thing. What do you want on this list? And uh, and maybe as we get to 75 uh, or maybe at 100, we'll start pulling some off. I'm very curious Whoa. about what we pull off. You know, Paul, these first 50 films have been so great to talk about with you, and I cannot wait to talk about some of the stuff that we've got ahead. Arr! We are going to get to do The Maltese Falcon. We've got Dr. Strangelove. We've got Sullivan's Travels, a movie that I love. Me we've got too. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Do the Right Thing. There's so much good stuff ahead. I can't believe it. And there's so much great stuff for the podcast in general. We're going to start a partnership with the Alamo Draft House in a little bit. If you're in L.A., Maybe watch these films with us, and we'll do a little live chat there. Um, I'm so excited to get into this back half. I want to say goodbye to our Zoe Decahedron, who really, you know, performed admirably in this top 50. And I I think that this show wouldn't be the show without uh, three people. And and I want to name them right now and to say uh, Josh, our producer, who, uh, who sat here and did all these statistics with this list. I'm so impressed by that. But... Uh, such a great uh, partner here in this whole thing. And then our engineer, Devin, Devin. who uh, not only is a great engineer, but also 
kind of our our fact checker, in-house fact checker, uh, giant film fan. We couldn't ask for a better team. And that is also ended up by Hannah, who is our talent booker, who's gotten us so many great people when it's very hard to convince people to come and talk about one film that they did on a podcast. And she did that and she does it all the time. So we appreciate our entire team, everybody at Earwolf, and most importantly, everybody here that's listening onward and upward with this final 50 and uh, I can't wait to do it more. Let's do it. Let's do it. So 50 episodes are done. They're done. They're done. They're done. And you know what? Before we jump into our 51st film, we are headed to the Overlook Film Festival this weekend in New Orleans. If you're listening to this and it is like Thursday or Friday, you still have time to make our panel on Saturday, where we are going to be joined by two awesome, brilliant horror experts. The Overlook Film Festival, by the way, if you don't know, it is a film festival all about horror films dedicated to the art of horror. And we are going to do a panel on why is there no horror in the AFI list? Why is the AFI scared of horror? And so we're going to be joined by two awesome panelists, Sam Zerman of Shudder, Phil Nobile Jr. of Fangoria. We're going to talk about it. We're going to make our nominations for what horror film we think should be on the list. And you know what? That is our call to action for you right now. What is the horror film that you think should be on the AFI list? Give us a call. 747-666-5824. 747-666-5824. I will say this is a hard question and I've really dwelled on it. And I really I think we need way more slots. But if you had to pick one, what is it? Let us know. And let's get spooky next week. See you then. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, Jazos. (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. 
Just you wait. Auto Trader.